Hello, and welcome to the Creativity Snippets podcast with myself, Tracy Stanley, and Barbara Wilson. We're passionate about encouraging creativity and are the co-authors of the book, Creativity Cycling, Help Your Team Solve Complex Problems with Creative Tools. Now, I live in Brisbane in Australia, and Barbara lives near Nice in the south of France. We started recording our monthly conversations at the beginning of 2020 to provide information and inspiration on applying creativity in all aspects of your life. Now, today, we're going to be discussing how we use metaphors and imagery in the creative problem-solving process and how you use these tools to think differently and to see new patterns and new relationships typically in a complex scenario or situation. Now, if you've been brought up in a corporation, say a large multinational company, um, maybe you're very adept at collecting and sorting information and data and preparing PowerPoint presentations for pie charts and histograms and relationships between data. Now, this, these are important skills and they're very heavily promoted through business schools, as well as through organisations. But there is another way that uses our experience and our information to make connections between different pieces of information through the use of thinking about something and the relationships between something through the use of imagery. Now, look, I'm just going to pass the floor over to Barbara to tell us a little bit more about how you can use imagery and in the creative problem-solving process. Thanks, Tracy. Uh, yeah, images are, are very powerful and they can unlock aspects of a situation that are not expressed in words. Um, they, they kind of work at a more unconscious level. I, I really strongly believe that words can be limiting um, and I'll come back to that in, in, in a little while. You mentioned, for example, the, the skills many have in data manipulation analysis. Well, image work kind of goes beyond that and starts to enable a, a greater understanding, a deeper understanding of a problem that sometimes would be missed out at that level of, of data manipulation. Now, there are many ways I've used image work in creative problem solving. My favorite has been to work on a, an unconscious level with collage. Um, also, you can use drawing, painting, sculpting. Um, and we, we both, I believe, use these and we both mention that in in our book i'd like to though stress that as you mentioned that connections are often made but they're not made in the same logical way that they're made with with analysis so sometimes it's just an insight that can that can come up often even not at that time but you know maybe the day after that you've been putting something together visually and you look at it again and and something comes out of it that you hadn't seen before. Now, one of the most used forms of imagery is metaphor. And this often is easier for people to use than just creating images um, just spontaneously, I guess. And a metaphor is a figure of speech in which an image is used to denote something else. So you could say, you know, I'm... Um, Often people talk about, uh, let me think, the, the, the organization as a machine. And that's a classic metaphor that Gareth Morgan introduced in his book, Imaginization. And 
once we've got that image of the organization as a machine, then you start to explore what does that mean? How does a machine work? And then in what ways does this organization work that is like that machine? So it helps to kind of pull apart and get a deeper understanding of how things are working or not working. In the CPS process, we can use metaphors in that first stage then to understand the problem better. And as I said earlier, it's best used um, rather than words at that stage because words can limit our intuition working. You know, they can, words kind of allow the sensor in. We think a little bit more about what words we're going to use. You know, I'm aware of this as I'm, as I'm speaking now. I'm, I'm thinking about, well, how do I, what word do I use to describe the thing I want to say? If we're using an image, then we don't have that sensor. We, we almost switch that sensor off and allow more of that intuition to come through. So coming back to metaphors that have been used, you know, that I've talked about the, the, the metaphor of the organization as a machine. Um, once it's expressed and, and drawn, it can provide those, those sort of insights um, into well, what, what, can we, what are the problems here and what can we do about it? We can also use metaphor for reframing a problem. So if we see the organization of a, as a machine and we don't like what we see there, it's too rigid, it, it's too mechanical, um, yeah, not flexible enough. How do we, you know, what do we reframe it as so that it becomes more flexible, more um, less, less rigid, less mechanical? And we start to, we can start to look at um, metaphors to express that. I just had a flash in my head then about, you know, a, a tiger running through, through the jungle, you know, and that flexibility of how a tiger runs. I'm not suggesting organizations should become tigers, but um, that was, that's a kind of, um, maybe a, an extreme, but an example of reframing. Hmm. It's um, it, it's interesting, Barbara. Um, some people, I guess, in pockets of organisations, perhaps use metaphors more than other people. Um, so that's just kind of a first thought um, mm -hmm. that came when you were speaking. And I just kind of wonder when you're doing something different. Uh, or, or, no, let me start again. What are the risks in using metaphors? Well, one of the problems, and I think one of the risks is that they can actually frame our thinking in a, in a very specific way. So, um, you know, when I, if you just, I meant to look this morning, actually, at some of the headlines in the newspapers, but often newspapers use headlines that, that use, use metaphor. You know, we, we sometimes see words like the culture wars, you know, and, and what that has done is set up the fact that you know, there are different cultural um, bodies that are at war, you know, and then you think, well, what does that mean? You know, they're not seeing eye to eye, they're fighting over things. Once you create that, that sense of there being a metaphor of war over something, then you start to go down that whole road of seeing, um, seeing uh, conflict everywhere. So mm. I think that's the danger that we can, you know, we can create something very much more um, structured and inflexible by by creating the metaphor around it. Sure. Tracy, can you share your experience of um, how metaphors have been used in organisations? 
Sure, sure. I think that very early in my career, I was working for an organisation that took over another organisation that had actually been a competitor. And um, I was working in HR at the time. And um, I remember being very surprised that the organisation that we took over, a lot of the people there um, arranged this big event. And the event was a wake where they came along and they actually had a coffin and they um, burnt the sort of the coffin and a whole lot of things related to the, the organisation that had died in their view. And I remember at the time, because I was young, kind of thinking it was all a bit dramatic, goodness me, you know, equating the, the, the loss of this organisation to death seemed really extreme. But as I got older, I mean, I appreciated, yes, it was very dramatic and it was very sad and it was very strong symbolism and I wasn't feeling it, but they clearly were. And, you know, as I got older and had more experience of other sort of um, turbulent changes in organisations, I really understood why they did and how important that process was. So that was kind of my first experience with the use of metaphors and using this wake. Um, another one was um, one of my colleagues was actually working with a part of the organisation that kind of felt a bit devalued and they spent a bit of time coming up what's the right metaphor to describe who we are and I remember that they came up with the concept of we feel like we're the elephant we're big but we're clumsy and we're kind of we're not sexy and um, for me it was very um, you know a huge beast and they were a sort of a huge beast and important beast but they weren't sort of the sexy part of the organization and I know in many organizations I've been in different parts of the organizations are sexy at one point or the other um, and this gave me more insight into how they were feeling and it was something that I hadn't considered because, uh, of course, I'd seen an elephant and I knew everything about the elephant and how they moved, so I completely understood what was being communicated by the use of that imagery. Barbara, you've been in quite a few organisations as well. What's been your experience of imagery and metaphor? Yeah, thanks, Tracy. Just very quickly, when you said about the elephant, I was thinking about that whole metaphor of the elephant in the room. Um, which of course oh, is meant God. to be invisible so yes. it's, like, it's huge but it's no one's seeing it so it's quite quite interesting uh, interesting metaphor yeah thank you well I, I I guess I just wanted to go back and talk about my experience really of using metaphor in in uh, when I first started working um, with creativity and it was way back in the early 90s 1990s I led a change program um in which each member of the department was asked to draw a metaphor to represent how the organization was doing at the time. Now, this was something I initiated. Um, I, th I think it was much to the amusement of, of the leadership in the organization. However, they, they gave me the, um, the, the, the authority to go ahead with this. Um, so I, I asked everybody to, uh, to draw one. Um, and actually most people did draw it, some people described it which of course is going back to using words but most people draw drew it and then we repeated this um, a, a second time asking for a metaphor for how they would like to see the organization and then we work with actions to bridge the gap um, and the process then because that turned into a, a sort of action-based program lasted a good two years but many of the images initially were transport based I guess it's because it's an you know they're kind of uh, easy uh, metaphors to use, you know, describing um, things like an airliner with no pilot, um, 
a large mm. oil tanker slow to turn around they were just a few of them that i remember very difficult to try and explain or present the results of that to the leadership at the time um, when it was about them but um that wasn't that's another story but i think i based my work on a on work i'd come across and it was it was inspired by marjorie or rather the work was i was inspired by the work of marjorie parker who I know I've talked about before in uh, in these podcasts, and she helped a company called Carmoy, um, a Norwegian company, develop a vision for the future using a metaphor of a flourishing garden. Now they also had a metaphor for what that what what was the current situation, and that was a, a dying garden. Um, and they had um, so that that garden represented what they would like the organisation to become. And they used that. Um, they actually got an artist to draw the garden. So it, it was it was became a professional image to present to the rest of the organization. And then each part of the organization was asked to say, well, OK, what part of the garden are we and, and how should we be um, behaving in order to flourish in that way? It became an uh, and it, it, it had it had results. So it became um, a very interesting exercise. And that that really did inspire me. So since then, I've used image-based tools like Collage to work with leaders and organisations to help them create that vision for the future and also to reflect on the current state of things. So it's, it's quite powerful and it's fun to do and it certainly changes perceptions. So Tracy, what do you think has, uh, in your time uh, as a consultant, how, has your approach to imagery and metaphor changed? It's, it's an interesting question, and um, I'm pleased you asked me this, and I know we've been chatting about it because I've been reflecting myself upon what my preferences are and how sensitive I've been to the expectations of those I've been working with. So, I mean, I've done a lot of um, business studies, a lot of analytical work, and um, with a strong emphasis on logical reasoning, collecting data, sorting data, presenting data. Um, and in presenting the data, I'm always sensitive to the audience and how they like to receive the data. So I have had a preference for sort of more those, as I described earlier, um, lines with relationships, you know, X, Y graphs and so forth. But I've always enjoyed the stimulation that comes from metaphorical items and from imagery. Um, for example, I hadn't realised, but I used to, you know, when I lived in, Bar in France, where I first met Barbara, I used to always be out buying beautiful postcards, I, just for the joy of looking at a beautiful postcard that was artistically framed. And then one day I wrote a story connecting all the, 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 um, all the beautiful postcards together. And it's one of my favourite stories. Um, and I've also loved always to buy beautiful fabrics and beautiful notebooks where I could have scribblings and, and drawings as well. And um, so it's always been there, but from, a, I guess, being younger in my career, I kind of was always hesitant to start talking about visuals and imagery and metaphors if I didn't think that sort of language would be acceptable. Um, and I guess, and now that I've got a bit older, I mean, I, I, my first preference is to grab a sketchbook rather than start typing notes. I mean, I, I still do take notes when I've been to meetings and I've got ideas, but when I'm trying to sort of create something new, I'll start doing the basis of a mind map and a bit of paper and just put all my ideas down with some links and start scribbling in that way. So um, just feeling more comfortable doing that. And there's, I get a better result 
And I honestly, I get better results. I get new insights when I take the time with my sketch pad than I do when I'm just dumping down ideas and trying to make links between words and and bullet points. Mm. Bullet points, yeah. 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 So, yeah, and this process, these conversations has really, it it was a bit unconscious to me, to be honest, and I actually hadn't realised how much I enjoy the influence of metaphor and imagery until through my conversations with Barbara, that's um, become more aware to me. Hmm. So, um, I don't know, Barbara, did you have anything else more to say there before I wrap up? No, I think it's just interesting to, uh, you know, see that that evolution and I think that the the one of the just one of the things that you have told me before is that you know that this whole thing about permission to go beyond the boundaries and in creativity we need to really allow ourselves or give ourselves permission to try new things to try different things Um, because for sure the old things are no longer working and uh, that is uh, for me the most worrying things about about the world as it is now Um, and that's getting too philosophical for for this morning (laughs) especially as I haven't yet had my coffee so (laughs) thanks Tracy for for sharing that experience your personal experience okay all right so let me just sort of try and pull some threads together some some key takeaways for our listeners today I, I guess I'd I'd pick up three bullet points. <laughs> the first one being that um, image work and metaphor can really help you and can help others to think differently, to really challenge and to reframe our thinking and help us to see new patterns and new relationships. Um, secondly, as, as Barbara has so clearly articulated, it's really great to use this way of thinking, you know, these visual um, and these metaphorical ways of thinking at the very beginning of the creative problem-solving process because it breaks us out of our habits of our logical, rational way of thinking and working and centering and centering, you know, making a, a link here to what Barbara said about permission and being free to do something quite differently, to think about something differently to the way we've done it before. And as I've said in telling my story about, you know, my socialisation through education and in large organisations, be aware of how you might have learnt to think in a certain way based upon the unique way that you've been brought up. And um, and just think, well, maybe, you know, I've got these analytical skills. Let me try using my, my more creative skills um, when I've got a really nutty problem or a new situation that needs to be analysed or, or thought about. So, um, yeah, so, so thank you, everybody, for listening in today. If you'd like to learn more from our experiences, you can find Barbara at barbara-wilson.com and myself at tjstanley.com. And, of course, you can buy our book, Creativity Cycling, Help Your Team Solve Complex Problems with Creative Tools, and it's available on Amazon, Google Play, and in Book Depository. Wishing you all a very creative day. Thank you, and bye, Barbara. And bye. Bye, Tracy. Bye from France. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye from Brizzy.